0: you look at the roster and what we have in the coaching staff we should win games we have to perform though we're gonna hold ourselves to a you know, high standard no matter what happens And you know defense is gonna do what they do and last time i heard they can't win if they don't score points this is the cleveland browns preview show your chance to get an in-depth preview of the week ahead in berea you're listening to the university hospital's cleveland browns radio network Hi-hi! your hosts, Kim Carmen and Gerard Cherry.
1: Getting
2: ready for week 11 across the NFL slate and your Cleveland Browns. Going from one extreme opposite to the other is a tough week down in Miami. They turn their attention to the Buffalo Bills and certainly the polar opposite when it comes to weather. We'll get to that coming up right here on the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I'm Matt Fontana filling in for Ken Carmen this evening. So happy to be joined by Gerard Cherry and certainly the polar opposites, Gerard, when it comes to the weather situation. But... The consistent thing is the two good football teams that the Browns have back-to-back. Certainly a tough one last week in Miami and certainly a very tough opponent at home for the Buffalo Bills as the Browns will be traveling on the road.
1: Exactly. And you're going to find a Buffalo's team... Bills team rather that is angry, that's upset, that is distraught because they did what they gave a game away against the Minnesota Vikings. Granted, it was probably the best football game of the season. Oh, game of the year. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. But with that, Matt, this the idea that you're gonna find a Buffalo Bills team that's hungry, a Buffalo Bills team that has revenge on his mind. So when you have situations like this, what do you have to do as a football team? Your mentality for the Browns has to be that we have to surpass their level of intensity, and granted, what took place in Miami will leave one down, cast it, but you can't stay in that place. You have to rise to the occasion and understand that you still have an opportunity. There is still a chance, if you win this game on Sunday, that you're, the, you're not out of the mix. You're still in the hunt. You have an opportunity to still get something done this season, but you have to do it on Sunday.
2: You do. And, again, another team talking about Miami, the same thing with Buffalo. AFC, playoff contending type teams, good football teams in a lot of different areas. And then, of course, you mix in the opposite of the weather, which we'll get to coming up in just a little bit. But a lot of things on the plate for the Browns this week as they get ready to travel up to Buffalo. But we get ready for four downs. First down. First down. Gerard, not exactly how you want to open up the second half of the season with a tough 39-17 to loss at the hands of Miami last week. What went wrong, some some issues again when it comes to stopping the run, running the football, some issues on defense? What were your biggest takeaways from that Miami game?
1: Uh, Matt, I'm going to really make it simple. I don't think it's anything complex. I don't think there was an issue with the scheme. I don't think there was an issue with the plays that are being called. The issue was players were flat-out fatigued, flat-out mm-hmm. not ready to go, and that's on the players. You have to have your mind right. When you take a bye, you cannot use that as an opportunity to completely check out of Football, you have to stay in shape. You have to stay cognizant of your responsibilities. And I heard multiple guys say, hey, we just messed up, or I was tired. And I get that, understand that, but you cannot allow yourself to get to a place to where you're not prepared. And granted, it was an extreme situation where you found yourself dealing with 101-degree heat, I get that part of it, but you're a professional, so you must prepare for everything. Just like this week, you're going to be at another end of the spectrum where you may see six feet of snow hovered around you as you sit on a bench. But the whole point is I think it was really simple, nothing complex, that it was a situation where the heat got the best of guys and that buy could have actually came at the worst time because guys simply weren't prepared to deal with it from a conditioning factor.
2: Well, and especially with how Miami was doing some things, where they weren't quick scores, and you know, again, stopping from time to time Browns' offense quick. The defense just getting run out. And Coach Stefanski did speak about trying to rotate guys and hydration during the week. But you know, mother nature can be undefeated from time to time, right? I think it doesn't matter how much you drank or how much you rotated. Guys, guys got tired in that game, and it really showed there at the end.
1: Oh, It certainly did. And whenever you see situation where. Our offensive linemen are losing one-on-one battles, and our defensive front is losing one-on-one battles. You know something's not right, and that took place throughout the entirety of the game. So that's the situation right there just speaks to the idea that they never recovered of dealing with the 101 heat index versus 81 and what they were dealing with on the sideline for the Dolphins. So give credit to the Dolphins, one, for creating a stadium that gives them that competitive advantage, but also give credit to the Dolphins for understanding this is how you wear a team down to take advantage of the situation that they had due to Mother Nature.
2: We move on. Second down. Pretty big day today, Gerard, with Deshaun Watson back and officially able to start practicing today. Of course, as we know, not eligible to play until December 5th when they take on Houston. But a couple of weeks of practice. They still need to get Jacoby Bursett ready. What's that divide, in your opinion, Gerard? What should that look like if Brissett's still going to play but getting Watson ready for when he comes back?
1: All right now, you still have to, in my opinion, pretend as if Watson doesn't exist. And it's for the reasons I said earlier when we started the show, Matt. This is a playoff game on Sunday. You don't win this football game on Sunday. It's highly, 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 highly unlikely you make a run for the playoffs and your season is potentially more likely over with. So with that in mind, I can't play around with the idea or work in someone worrying about tomorrow when I have to deal with today. So in my mind, you continue to do what Jacoby's been doing as a starter and give him every rep you can possibly give him because he's going to be the one who has to take the football field and Dobbs as well. You can't afford to give those reps to Deshaun to get him acclimated. Right now, it's do or die. So you have to give them guys who are actually be able to play the opportunity to prepare the best way they possibly can. And then how do you do that? By giving them all the reps.
2: Certainly, I 1,000% agree. Next up. Third down. We take a look at those Buffalo Bills, drawing a very good football team, but a couple of weird things when it comes to Josh Allen. In his first 67 NFL games, he had never thrown two interceptions in a fourth quarter or overtime now he's done that in two of his last three games. He's also never thrown two interceptions in the red zone in a game until Sunday. Of course, that epic game uh, against Minnesota. And again, in his last six quarters, six interceptions, just one touchdown. But the Bills, still second in scoring in the league, first in offensive yards. We know how good Stephon Diggs is. We know the really just the offense that is set up with it. He's battling that elbow injury as well. You know, Devin Singletary, they can run the football, I believe, from time to time. And then you stare over there and you look at Von Miller on defense. That's certainly a tough thing to to match up with. From a Browns standpoint, it is good. Denzel Ward back in the action last week. You know, it was tough to see Why Teller have to leave that game with the with the calf injury, but sounds like he was back out of practice. Potentially good news on Jok and David and Joku uh, getting those back. I mean, the weather aside, which we'll get to in just a second, Gerard. We know Buffalo with that high powered offense, but as I mentioned, with Josh Allen, he's been turning the football over a lot lately.
1: Well, he's always been turning the football over, Matt. And Bill Belichick had a saying for quarterbacks. Of that ilk, And it reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger in that every game Josh Allen is going to, like Ben Roethlisberger, give you two to three chances to intercept the football. Now, he is doing a tremendous job this year. I'm not taking that away from him whatsoever. He has been extremely impressive. And when you think about the fact that he is playing with a hurt elbow on his throwing arm, right there tells you the level of commitment and toughness on his part and dedication to trying to get the job done. But with that in mind, though, He has to be more conscientious and careful with the football, and that is really the only weakness in his game that I see right now because he can run the football. He can roll out. He can beat you in the pocket. He can beat you on off-schedule plays. He can do anything and everything except for stop making these poor decisions in which he's costing his team the football in their hands or the game because of poor decision-making on his part. So other than trying to be a gunslinger at times and forcing the ball, if he could clean that up, he's damn near a perfect quarterback.
2: Do you think it's pressure, dried I mentioned the fourth quarter interceptions late in the game. Is it, And really, even on that late one in Minnesota, you saw him almost double clutch over the middle through the pick. Is it just he's pressing there? He feels like he's got to be the
1: one to lead him? It's it's a weird dynamic. It's a former... You can make it a former pressing, Matt, and I'm torn between is it hubris and this idea of confidence, thinking, yeah, I can get it done? Because you have to believe in yourself. Nothing gets accomplished by you doubting it. it's like oh, I'm not sure. Maybe. That's not going to solve it. That's not going to get the job done. So I think being overconfident and thinking that I could just force that ball in there and it's just going to happen is what's hurting him. You saw it out of Brett Favre in a situation where he would take chances and the interceptions (laughs) mounted up, right? So I see Josh Allen taking that same perspective. It's a great thing when they're on fire, but, again, two to three chances every game. Final one.
2: Fourth Fourth down. down. The weather dried. Not inches Feet of snow that they might be facing up there in Buffalo. Draw. what was the worst weather game that you ever played in?
1: (laughs) The tuck rule game was the worst weather game I ever played in. Love the outcome, but the game, (laughs) the snow itself was coming down in droves, and it's actually an easier game from a defensive back standpoint for you to play because wide receivers simply can't make their cuts, and you would think it would be easier on the receivers as opposed to DBs, but really the DBs, what you do is, Matt, you basically just get a distance and say, I dare you try to make that cut because you're going to more than likely fall, and I'm just going to sit there and react to you. So those type of games in which it's snowing like that, you're going to primarily be looking at who has the better footing and the better rushing attack to get the job done, and it can occasionally pick a first down by having to win at their back and taking advantage of it. But in games like this, as long as the snow is not coming down during the game, because of our running game, because of our offensive line, if they go back to form and don't play like they played in Miami, And we have a great chance of dominating this football and controlling the football because of late, the Bills are not depend on the run. They depend on the pass to get the job done. But granted, I can't say that with confidence because our defense has done what? It's allowed a ton of teams to have career days against us when they have been struggling to rush the football.
2: Well, and also you look at it, Cleveland, you know, going down to Miami is a little different. You can't really uh, recreate 86 and sunny, but this week has been a little bit of prep for Buffalo, so at least two cold-weather teams going at it. On Sunday, great stuff with four downs coming up. We're going to go inside the locker room a little bit as Nathan Zagrell will sit down with Cleveland's own Pharaoh Brown, Brown's tight end. He's played in some cold-weather games, I know he has. That comes your way right here on the Brown's preview show. But fans, mark your calendars for Face Off on the Lake, presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium it's, at, it's on February 18th as the Ohio State Buckeyes taking on the Michigan Wolverines at First Energy Stadium. And for a limited time, you can purchase four tickets for $50 in the mezzanine level. For more information, visit firstenergy.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. You are listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network win, lose, or draw.
0: If you don't play the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team and we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry
2: got Matt Fontana, Gerard Sherry this evening on the Browns preview show. We go around the league coming up. Also, Joe Thomas set to join us. But before all that, we head inside the locker room as Nathan Zagura sits down with Browns tight end and from Cleveland's very own Brush High School. Gerard, it doesn't make me feel old that I used to watch Farrell Brown play high school football. But nonetheless, on the field for the Browns, we head inside the locker room. Here's Nathan with Farrow.
3: Very happy now to be joined by Brown's tight end Faro Brown. And Pharaoh let's just go back a few weeks. How did it come to be that you ended up back in Cleveland and what did that mean to you to come home?
4: Uh, I mean, it was a blessing to uh, come back home. Uh, I talked with uh, Andrew Berry once I, uh, my time in Texas had ended and just had a good conversation with him and uh, figured it would be a good fit that I can get up here and come help out the, uh, the team and help out the uh, tight end room and I still have uh, good friends, so to reunite with Chubb, David, uh, Deshaun, I played with him in Texas, so uh, it was a lot of familiar faces and uh, a lot of good friendships to come back to.
3: When it, you finally put the pen to paper and did come back, was this like, of all the places you could have gone, was this place that you wanted to go and coming home and get another run here with with the Cleveland Browns? had to be pretty cool.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime time you can come back home is always a blessing. I mean, I grew up a Browns fan, so... Uh to to be back and playing in his organization is uh is always a dream come true for me and always a just surreal. So uh I cherish it and uh, I just love being back.
3: You come back, things are a little bit different on the offensive side of the ball, how quickly we're able, it seemed like very quickly, to acclimate to what we were doing, the style of this offense.
4: Yeah, I've been around uh, a few teams. I actually was here when uh, Coach Stefanski had first got here, so right. just kind of knew it. And I mean, when you're looking at offenses, it's it's, it's all kind of the same in the same terminology. And I'm a fairly smart individual, so right. it's a uh, it's uh, it's easy for me to pick up those things. So I'm just picking up the things and just getting thrown around in a lot of different positions and in a lot of areas. But uh, I play football, so it's it's easy for me.
3: It's always fun too when there's multiple tight ends. When it's a, a team that has some 12 person like a good section of that in the playbook, and you know you're going to get a lot of opportunities to block and be a part of the run game, but also to get out there and you've caught a lot of passes since you so come here.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime you can, anytime you can get multiple tight ends on the field is always a plus. I mean, <clears throat> this team has le- was leading in that area even last year. So uh, hopefully, with uh, David coming back, we can obviously get in that more. But uh, yeah. I love it.
3: All right, let's talk about this offense because it feels like there have been some weeks that have been very, very good and some weeks that have been tougher. Last week was a little bit tougher for us, especially at the line of scrimmage. What does a team like the Dolphins do or what did a team like the Patriots do that made it so challenging for us at the line of scrimmage? And it feels like when they have those five-man fronts, that's the tough time that it's been a little tougher for us.
4: I mean, just from a... It's, it's really not the front. You kind of know where they're You know where they're going. I just think how the game had played in both of those. We kind of sure. got down and uh, we we shot ourselves in the foot a couple times. And at that point, then we got into, like, passing situations, well, obvious passing situations. And then at that point, you put putting five linemen on, five defensive guys. And in this league, you just can't do that. And – it showed, you know, when you have to do that, then you start giving up pressure, you're just giving up sacks. So, uh, and then we obviously we're not a, you know, we're not a good football team when we're behind because at that point now you can't run Nick Chubb, you can't run Kareem Hunt. You know that's kind of our bread and butter. So, I think the biggest thing for us is just stand, you know, above the change, stand out of pa- obvious passing situations, and just you know not shooting ourselves in the foot, with uh, uh, self-inflicted wounds on
3: schedule, as they like to say. You've got to stay on schedule. So that's very important this week against a Bills team that can absolutely put points on the board. They've got a good defense. They get after you at basically all levels. Now the last few weeks they haven't been as good against the run as they were early in the season. When you've watched them, what have you seen from the Bills and, and how can we attack them to get off to that fast start and keep this game in that neutral or even Browns-favored game script? Uh,
4: I, think, I, I, mean, I think we can move the ball against anybody. We have two of the best backs. Uh, we have the People outside, like I said, even with Miami, we was moving the ball. We was getting to the red zone. It was just literally self-deflicted wounds. The error is so small, especially when you do play those good teams because you make two wrong mistakes, and now you're down 14, 21. It just started rolling. So uh, I think the biggest thing is just going up there, being able to stay on schedule, play our game, and uh, I think we'll like the results versus anybody uh, in the league uh, when we do what we do.
3: All right. You mentioned earlier you played in Houston with Deshaun. You are you've been a Brown before. you are a Brown now. He comes back to practice this week. What do you hope to see from Deshaun, and what does he bring eventually at some point? What will he be able to bring to this team? I
4: mean, he's just a he's just a special player, a special playmaker. I mean, it's been that way since at Clemson. Uh, he's been a winner at every level. Uh, I mean, he just brings that it factor. Uh, you know, you kind of see it around the league with a bunch of good teams and their quarterbacks and uh the organization is you know lucky to have him in that area i mean i just want to see him get out there and finally be back out there and uh just be himself i think that i think that would be enough it's just come and be himself and plays gonna come he gonna make plays and you know it's it's kind of that exciting football and it would be great for the fans for the city and and everybody just you know it's he's a generational talent so i mean what I what I want to see is just him back on the field, you know, and doing 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 his thing.
3: What will that do for an offense? Because you mentioned earlier, and it's true, and it's true with a lot of teams and a lot of quarterbacks in this league. Like things need to go in a very particular way, right? We are a running team and a play action team. When you get a guy like Deshaun back there, now we can. If we want to be a drop back team, we're going to be a drop back team. There's really no limitations in what we can do as an offense.
4: Uh, exactly. There's. I mean, <clears throat> we can be whatever you know team th- we want. I think the the biggest thing is just being able to now you really have to account for him on the ground and obviously in the past and uh like scrambling situations we haven't had a lot of those and when you look around the league a lot of big explosive plays come off of the scramble so i mean i think that would just help a lot you know just uh, create more explosive plays with the scramble drill uh and obviously i mean that that him being back there puts you know more pressure on the defense as well to have to account. So you know, uh, I just think that's an extra weapon. Yeah,
3: we're all excited about getting Deshaun back. But Jacoby's played very well for this team. Great leader, great guy. What has you kind of learned about Jacoby and the kind of rapport you guys have been able to develop?
4: Uh, yeah, definitely great leader, great guy. I mean, he's been a pretty solid his whole career, in all his stops. You know, uh, yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Honestly, I mean. Just a guy that's going to, you know, make the right decision, be in the right place, you know, going to put the team in the uh, make sure the team is, you know, together and uh, obviously done a great job. And we've been in, you know, almost in every game, you know what I mean? So uh, I think he's he's done a great job and uh, obviously what we need it.
3: How big is this one in Buffalo? It feels like, you can't say must win until it's an elimination game, right? But it feels like this is an important one for the Browns to get to try to get some momentum back going into this end of the season.
4: I mean, I kind of look at it and just think like, you know, at some point of the season, you obviously we're down right now, so it's like, you know, we're trying to get back to 500 and uh, keep our playoff contention alive. But at some point, you really just want to, you know, uh, beat good teams and kind of get a winning streak going on because, you know, once the playoffs start, you have to win, you know, four, four games, right? four games in a row to get to the big show. So at some point, you know, I always think like and uh, telling my team in my room, like, hey, at some point we have to go on a four-game winning streak, you know, because when we get in the playoffs, that's something that has to be done. So uh, starting off with a playoff contender team, uh, I think that's big. So uh, Because obviously we can can see them again, too. So uh, I just think that's big, and uh, it's a big game you know, uh, anytime you're playing uh, a, playoff, a playoff team like Buffalo Bills, it's always a big game and you, and you want to beat them.
3: Have you ever played in a game, they're talking maybe two, three, four, five, six feet of snow, have you ever had any crazy blizzard games? I'm trying to think of your time here. I can't remember that many crazy blizzard games.
4: I never played in any crazy blizzard games, but uh, kind of like in height, yeah, never never really crazy blizzard. I mean, it was cold snowing, but none with a lot of snow. I mean, I'm an avid uh, snowboarder. You know, okay. I live in the mountains, so I had my wife send out like my little base layer, you know so I should be I should be pretty fine cuz I'm usually always in a mountain snowboarding, so I think I'll be pretty good and uh obviously right now we get to practice in it as well so uh, I think we'll be ready when you get on the mountain
3: on a snowboard are people like triple taking you've got to be the biggest dude on a snowboard on any mountain you're on are you talking where are you at Colorado I'm in, Utah. in Utah okay are you for sure. Like the biggest guy. People are like,
4: what the hell's going on here? Yeah, definitely definitely the tallest guy in everybody. Uh, I kind of picked it up super quick. and uh, I usually am up there, and, and nobody can really tell. It's just like this big guy because I got like the blacked out <laughs> snow goggles. You know, I'm all covered up and decked out. So uh, it's a fun time.
3: Were you a skateboarder as a kid?
4: No, I was a, a wake surfer. Okay. Yeah, so I did a lot of wake surfing, so I kind of naturally just picked it up.
3: Okay. Yeah, the little wakeboarding is great. Good time, for sure. And now you're somewhere. That's hilarious. Well, you will be ready. Farrell, it's great having you back, man. Best of luck on Sunday.
4: Oh, yeah, it's definitely good to be back. Go Browns. I
2: never would have known. Farrell Brown, big snowboarder, drop I feel like he's got to give a speech to the team on how to stay warm in those conditions on Sunday. He's the perfect one to do it. Uh, great stuff there with Nathan Zegura and Brown's tight end, Farrell Brown. Brown's fans, get into First Energy Stadium quicker on game days with the Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate, plus each game you use the Express Access at First Synergy Stadium. Be automatically entered for a chance to win Brown's autographed items. Go to the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more today. When we return, we'll go around the league and, of course, the NFL going around the world. We'll discuss that next. This is the Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
4: This is Browns running back Nick Chubb. This is Browns
2: defensive end Miles Garrett.
4: This is Greg Newsom II, and you are listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team, an official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns.
2: Back here on the Cleveland Browns preview show, Matt Fontana, Gerard Shearer. We're going to head around the league, take a look at some of the big stories, but be a part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today Gerard, the nfl heading over to germany for their first game and it sounds like they're going back i believe it's roger goodell that said oh no we're signed up we're going to be back in a little bit should the nfl look to do more than just that one game in germany or do you think they should maybe try to find other places to go in their international ventures
1: well i think you need to reward the german fan base because it's huge you had allegedly three million people try to get tickets i heard that yeah so if that's the case by all means go back I mean, don't get to the point where you oversaturate it, but I think that merits at least three more games, don't you? So to answer your question, for sure. I mean, you get great turnout in London, but why not Germany? And from going back to the days of the World League, Matt, Mm -hmm. they always had a liking to football. So it does not surprise me, but to get three million ticket requests, that's some Taylor Swift like concert type stuff. So. So with that in mind, yes, you need to go back to Germany, make it multiple uh, games.
2: Apparently she's got her own ticket problems going on. I read that today as well with T-Swift. But I think also with Germany, I just – you know, obviously I'm not a logistics person here, but I just don't know how much further east they could go either, right? So I'm sure it wasn't just, you know, German people either. I'm sure it was any neighboring country, anybody close to go see an NFL game. They found a good market there. I'm with you. I think they should expand that a little bit more. Try a little factor fiction here. After their big win over Buffalo, we face this weekend, the Vikings are one of the top four teams in the NFL right now. Actually, i got to start here, Drod, because you and I actually talked about it this week a couple times. The Vikings, in my opinion, are. They're easily one of the top four teams in the NFL. I would say even more one of the more shocking teams to see how dominant they are, how good they are, and i got to give them their due respect. I really think that's a fact.
1: Oh, heck, yeah. You consider, and, and, again, if, if you had the opportunity to watch the best football game of the season thus far, you'll see where Buffalo completely gave the game away with fumbles and interceptions, and they should have won the game outright. But give credit to the Vikings for what? Battling all the way to the end. And that end was another quarter within which they went to overtime and found a way to get the job done. So you got to give them their props. The only team that they lost to is, in my mind, the best team in the NFL, even though they lost on Monday, is the Eagles. So the Vikings, yes, I've crowned them, and I think that they are very for real.
2: Well, and also it's rare that you get two catch of the year nominees in the same game. Same game, game so right? I got to tell you, draw that Justin Jefferson snag, and I think he's quickly become a top-four wide receiver. I know the question was top-four teams for the Vikings, but I think Justin Jefferson has quickly become a top-four receiver in the NFL as well. He's pretty special. The Chiefs and the Bills right now seem to be the top-two teams in the AFC. The Eagles and the Vikings the top-two teams in the NFC. Mm -hmm. Drod, who do you believe is the third-best team in each conference? So, again, Chiefs and Bills, AFC. Eagles, Vikings, NFC. Who's third on each side?
1: Well, let me stick with the AFC because I'm actually going to Debunk this idea that it's the Chiefs and the Bills. Oh, Why really? not the Dolphins? Because the last ah. time I checked, the Dolphins have not lost a game when Tua was on the football field. And if I'm not mistaken, this same Dolphin team also beat the Buffalo Bills. Correct. So, with that in mind, we need to give the Dolphins, and I saw it, you saw it as well. You watched the game, you saw how they dismantled us and just pretty much made us look inept throughout the entirety of that game. So, It might. There's an argument there that the Dolphins are actually better than the Bills because they got a running game, they got a passing game, and they got a defense as well.
2: The only other AFC team that I'm just going to throw for comparison would maybe be Baltimore. They're six and three. The Jets are six and three. Uh, We talked about the Bills being six and three. The Titans are, but I'm with you, Drod. I think Miami kind of kind of stands above the rest. To the NFC, Eagles, (laughs) you know, and the Vikings are there. It's kind of a smorgasbord out there. Seattle. Uh, Drawn no, at six
1: and no, four? No, because no? actually, I think the 49ers are coming around the corner now. I like that. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. So you got to. I think you have to go with the 49ers, and we'll see when that head-to-head matchup takes place with the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers. But right now, the addition of McCaffrey on the squad is paying dividends for them, and they look like they're starting to get their legs under them to make a run. Some would argue that they might be the best team in the NFC. In the NFC. I wouldn't, but some do.
2: Sure. Final one here, Dry will stick with an NFC team. Fact or fiction, the Packers will somehow right the ship and make the playoffs. So they stand at four and six, which is shockingly good for second in the NFC North. The problem is they're going to have to run down Minnesota's eight and one. So that not might happening. not happen. That ain't, they, yeah, that ain't happened. So then you want to look at, you know, wild card with where they stand as far as even wild card standings. They're in ninth. They just gotta make it up to seven, so they'd have to jump. Washington and San Francisco each have a you know, really when you look at it, a half game game and a half lead. Dallas is there, New York. You think Aaron Rodgers has enough magic left in him, Gerard?
1: I don't. And I don't and I, he's gonna to have to rely on a collapse of these other teams. I don't think the Giants are gonna collapse, and I don't think that the and the Seahawks will replace probably the forty nine in positioning. So that right there does them in, if I'm not mistaken. But you also said the commanders are ahead of them. They and are just, from they the wild just card had, season. Just point, think yeah. about from the standpoint of them beating the Eagles, how confident they must be right now. They're three and one since Carson Wentz has exited the building or been put on the sideline due to injury. You think they're going to go back to him when he's healthy? I mean, well, if Ron, I was Ron Rivera, I wouldn't.
2: And he said today that they're going to activate Wentz from the to the practice, you know, window of coming off the IR, but the Taylor Heineke is going to continue to start. You know, the quick thing on you you mentioned Green Bay too, Gerard. They're four and six. The same thing with Atlanta and Arizona But the Green Bay Packers have the tiebreaker right now. So basically they're, they could find themselves even after this week, all the way down in 11th if things shake out poorly for them. So I'm with you. I actually, before the season, I picked the Packers to go to the Super Bowl and I don't think that's That's happening at
1: all. Based on what?
2: I just really, and this is, this is, i looking back on it. Obviously not a good take. I mean, I just thought Aaron Rodgers going to be so ticked off that he was Mm going to turn Christian Watson into a star. He's going to turn Romeo Dobbs into a star. I mean, I, I thought he had more left. Unfortunately, you see the impact of not having Devontae Adams and, and with that team, it's been, it's been rough for him, but we'll see how it goes. Well. From one Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers to another, Joe Thomas going to join us next right here on the Browns Preview Show. Can't wait. There's a lot of video of him circulating today back uh, when the Browns were in that snow game against Buffalo. So we got to get Joe's thoughts on a cold-weather game, what that means for a lineman. He will join us next. Browns fans, be sure to stop by the free Twisted T-Tailgate pregame party. Prior to every home game, Twisted T-Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music Food and drink options. Twisted T Tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Joe Thomas joining us next, right here on the Browns preview show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
0: This is the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard
2: Cherry. Got Matt Fontana filling in for Ken this evening. We got Gerard Cherry and gonna be joined by the future Hall of Famer Joe Thomas in just one second. But Browns fans, visit Browns.com/slash Milkbone and enter for your chance to win Browns season tickets. Free Milkbone Dog Treats for a year and more. Courtesy of Milkbone, the official dog treat of the Cleveland Browns. After you register, make sure you visit your local Meyer to check out all the varieties of milk bone treats. We bring in Joe Thomas, Joe Weather this weekend in Buffalo. This was the most important question I had for you so I have to get to it first. Is it an unwritten rule that linemen don't wear sleeves in cold games, and if they do, do they get razzed in the locker room and on the sidelines?
5: Yes, it is. At least it was when I was playing, and I remember never really considering wearing sleeves, but there were some conversations in the locker room between a few of the other guys that were maybe on the sidelines thinking about putting sleeves on in some of those games, especially my rookie year we played that snowball game against Buffalo. That was one of the colder games that we had earlier in the season. And uh, the guys on the sideline, a couple of them were going to wear sleeves, but it was a no-go from the vets. But I tell you what, after playing without sleeves for 11 years, I figured out that you can put Vaseline on your arms.
4: and <laughs> It actually
5: cups the wind better than if you wear sleeves you can of times It's like, you know, if you're in the desert, it's better to wear long sleeves because if they get sweaty, then you get the cold wind on it. It's actually worse than if you don't have sleeves on at all. So, in the end, acting like a tough
1: guy is counterproductive, like it usually is. <laughs> See, that's what you call a veteran move right there, breaking out the Vaseline. A lot of dudes don't know about that, Joe, but you're absolutely right. That Vaseline is keen. You're like, why is this guy's biceps shining so much? That's because he put on the Vaseline. But speaking of the cold weather, Joe... Have you ever been in a situation as a player where you went from one extreme from a weather standpoint to it being extremely hot to all of a sudden being really cold? And with that in mind, what do you think is the harder adjustment to make, playing in the heat or an extreme cold? Well, as a bigger guy, it was
5: always much tougher for me to play in the heat, right, because it just zaps your energy so much quicker. Um, I remember we opened the season in Tampa in like 2012 or 13. And it was brutal. I mean, you know, 96, 97 degrees, humidity. And, you know, at halftime, you're feeling just completely white, especially for a person that's from the Midwest, never played a lot of games in Florida, and to have to go down there after doing training camp in Ohio and dealing with that heat. I think it's a little bit tougher for your body to adjust. Whereas the cold, you know, you're so pampered on the sideline these days in the NFL. You got heated benches, you got uh, heat coming out of the floor for your feet. you got a heater you put your helmet on, you got these giant propane heaters on the sidelines really The only time you get cold is during TV timeouts because other than that you're either playing and staying warm or you're out standing on the sideline or sitting on a heated bench. So really the cold, I don't think it's that much of an issue for these guys anymore. The only time it is, the only exception is if it's cold and wet then mm-hmm. it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to avoid that because once you get wet and it's windy, it's really tough to get warm even with all those heaters.
2: Well, Joe, and I think it's got to be a, a point of pride as well when you're going into a game like this as an offensive lineman to say, hey, this is a running type of game, right? And especially with the Browns, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and if the weather's as bad as it is, I can imagine all week, you know, Joel and Wyatt and Jet and all those guys, they got to be pretty jacked. to know, there's going to be a, quite a few carries for one Nick Chubb on Sunday.
5: Yeah, man, we'd get so giddy during the week when you knew there was going to be some weather on Sunday because just like you guys, just like all the fans, you're assuming that as soon as there's weather, snow, rain, wind, that means you're probably going to run the ball a little bit more. And as an
1: offensive lineman, that's music to your ears. And, Joe, far as a game plan standpoint, Josh Allen, we talk so much about him, and I'm of the opinion that he won't be able to do what he does best, which is pass the football in this situation. But when you look at their running game, it has not been the greatest running game, but it's not like they really try either. From your perspective, what does the defense need to do to sure things up? Is it an issue of gap control? Is it an issue of penetration? Or is it all the above? Yeah, whenever you're defending the run as poorly as the Browns are, it's going to be
5: a bit of everything. Um, but going into the season, I had a lot of concern for that defensive tackle position because we just didn't have any real big guys on the inside, and we had small linebackers, which, you know, that's good when you're going against Lamar Jackson and you're trying to bottle him up and keep him in the pocket, and you need that speed. But when you're going against bigger guys, bigger linemen, bigger quarterbacks, bigger running backs, um, it becomes a problem when you're a little bit smaller on the front. And as good as this weather is, I think, for the Browns' running game, Um, it does concern me a little bit, especially with Josh Allen's elbow, that they might try to run the football a little bit more. Now, Ken Dorsey, the Bills' offensive coordinator, doesn't really like to run the football very much. He was a quarterback (laughs) in college. He was a quarterback with me my first uh, year in Cleveland. So those guys, they run when they have to. It's like pass, pass. They have so much confidence in every pass. They can't stand not calling a pass until their head coach yells at them and says, hey, we got to run the ball here, and then you look down at the column that says run, and you close your eyes, and you just point at something just to check it off the list so you can go back to passing. But um, that's part of the reason they're not any good at running it is because they just don't commit to it at all. I think the Bills running backs are only averaging like 73 yards rushing per game, like the fourth fewest in the NFL. But to your point, Josh Allen's a big part of that running game. So for the Browns to be able to just limit Josh Allen a little bit in the running game and kind of force him to hand it off, to some of those running backs, I think that would be a big advantage for the Browns.
2: Joe Thomas joining us here in the Cleveland Browns preview show. And Joe, Gerard and I were just talking about, and I know you were there over in Germany for the game. We were really impressed with the fan base and all the ticket requests. And, you know, we asked the question of, should the NFL look to add more than just a game a year over there in Germany? There's no better person to answer that question though, than you, Joe, you were there. What was the atmosphere like? And should the NFL expand maybe out to a couple of games over there a year?
5: Yeah, I think they should. I mean, the atmosphere is electric. Um, it was cool. With two minutes or three minutes left in the game, they let the post-game people back on the sidelines. So three minutes left, they let me and Willie McGinnis and Colleen Wolf come on the sidelines. So we were watching the game from the sidelines. And over the PA system, all of a sudden, they were playing like the greatest hits from my college days. It was like being at the bar at closing time. They're playing Country Roads by John Denver. They're playing Journey. They're playing all these songs that uh, in America, you were just, not surprised to hear, but in Germany, you were shocked, and the whole crowd is singing along. I turn around, I look behind me. There's a guy that it looks like he's holding a pitcher of beer, but apparently that's how they <laughs> serve their beers over there. It is supposed I'm to say giant, Stein, giant Joe? Press, Yeah, <laughs> it's giant one liter Stein, which is like three and a half beers or something like that. It's <laughs> and he's holding a pretzel that looks like a sewer cap. Oh. Uh, I mean, these dudes—they know how to do sporting events, and they were so jazzed. I think there was three million ticket requests or something like that for the game. I mean, it was just incredible. They said it sold out in one minute, and it was really cool. I mean, I, I did my fair share of uh, beer drinking in Munich, walking around town and meeting <laughs> a lot of the, the locals, in, and you saw just 60%, 70% of the people were wearing football jerseys, you know, NFL jerseys, and in my head I figured, like, okay, go to the Germany game. There's probably a lot of American fans that travel over here because they want to visit Germany, and they make it a trip. Well, that was the case. Actually, most of these people were in NFL jerseys were speaking German, and there was very few Americans that I even ran into. Um, And so you could just kind of feel the excitement and the passion for American football. And and all the Germans that uh, were over there that I convinced to buy me beers, I had a chance to talk to you, and they're just diehard NFL fans, and they're just dying for more games. And I'd heard we had the commissioner on Good Morning Football on Friday, and there's little whispers going around that I think... They want to add a couple of games in Germany every single year because the response has just been so strong. And I think it kind of leads up to what they want to do, which is to really expand over in Europe and then make the NFL not just national, but actually a, a global game that uh, it seems like is the direction that they're headed.
2: Well, Joe, make sure you get on the list to continue to go over there. Sound like you had a good time. We appreciate your time tonight. You're on the Browns preview show, and I'll get you a list of any linemen I see wearing sleeves on Sunday, all right? Yeah. Vaseline.
5: <laughs> the, 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 the 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 there you go. <laughs> Thank you, there
2: he goes. Joe Thomas joining us here on the Cleveland Browns preview show. We'll wrap things up when we return. You are listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns kicker, K. George.
1: This is Browns quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. This is John Johnson, and you are listening to the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns.
2: And don't forget, catch the Kevin Stefanski Show with Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry tomorrow, Thursday night, 7 to 8. Oh, I love this place. Razzles in Olmstead Falls. Enjoy it out there, Gerard. You guys have long snapper Charlie Hewlett. And check out Thursday Night Football as the guys get you ready for Sunday's game against the Bills. Back here on the preview show, I'm Matt Fontana. He is Gerard Cherry. Gerard, we do preview. We look ahead to the Buffalo Bills. And you mentioned this earlier, and it's so right on. Everything is still in front for this team. I again it was a tough loss to Miami, but you look at Buffalo, another AFC opponent, a very good opponent. We know that, but it's still there. It's still attainable. And I can only imagine that's a message throughout the building this week as they get ready.
1: Yeah, it's the only message that needs to be given. Do or die. Do you want to move further or do you want to call it quits on this season? All your efforts are leading up to this point and beyond. If you don't have it in you, it will definitely show on Sunday. But if you go out there for lackluster effort, you've sent the wrong message to your fan base and more importantly to your teammates, man. It's a precious – each season is precious. You only get one opportunity to go for it all. And if you just think, okay, well, we'll do it again next year, you're not promised that. I even promise tomorrow, but we tend to forget about that, especially when we're young, that, hey, man, there's no one guarantee that you're going to be in the NFL next year. You never know what's going to take place. I mean, if COVID didn't wake you up to the idea that things can change drastically, I don't know what will. But, yes, Matt, the message has to be this is it, y'all. This is it.
2: And we talked a lot about the weather. Is there a situation, draw where that would benefit one team or the other? I, I just look at it and I say, Hey, it's Cleveland, right? It's not like it's Miami going up there or Buffalo or Cleveland going down to Miami like we just did. Um, I get that it's going to be snowy, but also, you know, I, I, assume you mentioned about the snow coming down during the game, but they got the heaters on the field, right? It is an ash. It's a field turf field up right. there. So hopefully they'll get it cleared. I just, I don't know, draw. Maybe I'm not putting as much stock into the weather as others are.
1: Well, even beyond the weather, Matt, it still goes back to your attitude, your desire, your mental preparation, your physical preparation. Do you want to get the job done? Have you quit? Because most of these guys are physically equal. Yeah, you're going to have a Miles Garrett here and there. That's a freak of nature. But for the most part, guys are equal. So it comes down to your mentality, your mindset, and what are you playing for? Or do you feel you still have something to play for? And right now i got to think that the Buffalo Bills – from a mindset standpoint, are angry, and we should be too. So the question becomes which of these football teams are going to be the angrier one and which one is going to go out there and actually execute and get the job done in very severe weather, potentially severe weather conditions.
2: You know, you mentioned it there. Both teams really trying to fight back for really kind of different reasons. Buffalo on a two-game losing streak. Brown's trying to right the ship a little bit, stay in the hunt. It's going to be a fun one. And at the worst, you know, no matter what happens, I think everybody enjoys watching an NFL game in the snow. So I'm literally looking forward to Sunday to see how it plays out. Appreciate everybody joining us this evening here on the Cleveland Browns preview show. Don't forget, again, tomorrow night, Kevin Stefanski show. Make sure you head on out to Razzles and check out the show in person for Gerard. Sherry I'm Matt Fontana thanks again for tuning into the Browns preview show right here on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns radio network
0: been listening to the Cleveland Browns preview show. Join us next week for more behind the scenes Browns news from Berea. We always look at each game as how do we win this game and what does this game call for? This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions or accounts of the game without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. <laughs> University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network.